0: and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Phoebe Blamey, I'm delighted to have you on the She's the Boss podcast. Thank you so much. Coming Thanks,
1: on. Jules. I am so excited to be here because I love listening to this podcast. It is one of my absolute favourite must-do-every-week podcasts.
0: Oh, thank you so much for saying that. That's brilliant. Okay, so let's start off with what is it that you actually do and why?
1: Okay, <laughs> so I'm the author of The Happy Money Journey, which is a book to assist look mainly women in making good money decisions. And the reason I've aimed it at women is because I find that often we are, we have a lot of different priorities than men when we're thinking about the way that we spend our money and what we want our money for. So we will prioritize our children a lot more. We'll prioritize our household. We'll prioritize the simple, basic, everyday things. Um, And we'll also look at the big investment decisions and the, and the, putting money aside for the future. But really, I think the thing that the 10 grand out of super over COVID taught us is our needs for our the way we use our money are always a lot more immediate. Yeah. And so I wanted to write a book that reflected that, and but take the shame away from being that reputation of having an of overspending and putting, you know, money in the wrong places and making poor investment decisions. Because often they're not poor investment decisions, they just meet an immediate need.
0: Yeah, really true. And I know that you've I think well, I think I know because I haven't actually read it, I have to admit, but you have a chapter in the book that is around or you talk anyway about if you get into a relationship you need to be financially savvy and not just go, okay, let's have a joint bank account and let's, you know, give away our power basically. And then if the relationship breaks down, you're stuffed.
1: I think, one of the reasons for that, though, Jules, is because I've been in that relationship more than right. once. Right. Oh, And I've been you? in the relationship where you don't talk about money or you kind of want to gloss things over or you um, you sort of think, well, if we start bringing up all these unromantic things, then it's going to burst the bubble of, of this great yes. love. And what, what's ended up happening to me is I've taken on other people's debts or I've, um, I've Spent too much of my own money in a relationship. And then I felt resentful about it. Yes, but just because a I'm not having the conversation. I'm just keeping it all in. It causes all these other problems and hassles. So one of the things that I really like women to do when, you've, when you're reading the book is have that really basic conversation with your partner that goes along the lines of, look, honey, I may not have talked much about money in the past, but what I really want to do is get a bit more involved in our financial decision making. Can we just have a chat?
0: Yeah, lovely.
1: You know, nothing threatening, nothing... Accusatory, nothing angry, and it works. Yeah,
0: yeah I can see that. And that makes it, it really easy. All right. So, um, you're not just an author, are you? You're also the founder of your own rather fabulous business. So tell everyone about that too.
1: Okay. So I started Clover Financial in 2007. I'd I'd left corporate banking and or working for a, a Big big, bank. Big bank and worked for a couple of smaller places like Wizard and Aussie and then decided that I really didn't want to spend the rest of my life working as either a relationship manager or in banking and finance from the corporation point of view. I thought I could make a real difference to people and to the way that they think about money and the way that they think about buying their own homes if I was at the coalface doing the mortgage broking and financial planning. Love it. So I originally had a business partnership with someone, yeah. and that failed. Oh my so God! Visually, we'll have to talk. Taught me so yeah, we'll lessons. have to
0: talk about that because that is one thing that yeah. women. I mean, I think it's a fantastic idea to have a partner, but oh boy! I mean, I've been caught out as well, and thank God I had the contract with the exit clause. So we will talk about that in a minute. Um, but just tell us a little bit more about what you actually do with Clover. So it's Clover Financial Solutions, so, I think, is the name of the business, is it?
1: Yep. yep. Clover Financial Solutions is the name of the business. And Clover Financial Solutions is a boutique mortgage broking firm in Hawthorne. And what we mean by boutique is it has less than six employees. Right. it's We're just yeah. little. Um, but we are one of the top performing brokers in Australia. We have- wow a really, really excellent reputation. We really specialise very much in self-employed people and a little bit of property development, so much more complex lending. Right. but my daughter has recently become part of the business, oh, and she's congratulations. opened it up. Oh, she's <laughs> yeah. great! She's just awesome. Um, she's opened it up and started a first home buyers club yeah, where nice. they do interviews with people and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, really, we're about getting people money and making sure that when we get the money, it's something long term, sustainable, and we're not putting them into horrendous debt. And it's nice debt. that. But we're oh, also
0: sorry. I was just going to say, it's nice that you're walking the walk that you've done the big banks. Now that you have also yeah. run your own business so you know what it's like to be self-employed and it's not so big that you go you know like you know that when you go to a big company you're a small fish in a very big pond it's much nicer to have it the other way around
1: it is so much nicer to have it the other way around and I really like controlling my day and controlling my space and you know being where I want to be we were talking um about having offices and it's really nice having a a place that you go that is just yours. And you own your space and you own your, you know, we don't physically own the office. Not yet.
0: You, yeah, not yet.
1: Um, but we, yeah. Yeah, it's
0: nice to get out of we possession home. of
1: a space that we can put our business and get out okay, of Okay, yeah. so
0: my next question is you went from being working for a big bank to working for yourself. Why? Was there a light bulb moment? Was there something that happened that tipped you over and you went, right, that's it, I'm going out on my own?
1: So where I was working was a combination of um, paying a, a wage and paying a really, really, really good commission. Right. And the thing that actually inspired me to leave in the first place was I was earning a really good commission being a, a manager, but the people who were actually working in the business, the mortgage, the actual mortgage brokers, weren't so much earning the, the big the good commissions. And um, and I wanted to design a business where. The brokers could come in and and really earn better money and and take more control and all of that sort of stuff. So that taught me a lot of lessons. It taught me about going into business with someone um, and leaving a business. It taught me that people that work for lead driven businesses generally aren't very entrepreneurial and therefore um, right. struggle in that sort of situation where they have to go and get their own business. So it wasn't. It was less about the remuneration and much more about the fact that um, the business that I was working for before I left and went out on my own, um, were able to supply them with leads and business. But was there a moment, was there, was
0: there somebody in your team then that got a really shit commission and you went, that's it. You know, Um, I'm just wondering whether there was something, what was the, why did you wake up one day and say, right, I'm resigning and I'm going out? Or did someone say something horrible?
1: (laughs) Uh, no, no, no. After a couple of years in that business, it, it, you worked really hard for, your right. money, like really, really hard. And i was I remember I was on holidays in the Gold Coast, and I rang the guy that I ended up being in business going into business with, and I rang him, and I said, "I've just had the best idea. And it was a guy that I'd known for years, and years yeah. and years and years and years. And I said, "I've just had the best idea. Let's change." Let, let's take all the good things about all the places that we've worked previously, and let's do it ourselves. We can do it ourselves. We can do it with low overheads. Here's my business plan. I'm so excited. Let's do let's it. Let's do it.
0: And they sort and, yes. and that was obviously which you're going to tell us soon. Not maybe. That, <laughs> well, look, not the best idea, but on other uh, on on the other hand, maybe you would never start a business if there wasn't someone to do it with you just for that beginning bit. There's often a comfort, isn't there, in kind of knowing that you're both going to do it together. All right. Which leads me perfectly to tell me about Phoebe growing up. So when, when did you like school? Are you part of a big family? All that sort of initial stuff first.
1: Um, I am actually part of a big family. I didn't necessarily, I didn't grow up in a big family because my father remarried when I was, um, oh, probably about 12 Okay, and had a couple, had two more children I'm very close to right. um, and very close to my stepmother from that marriage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say it like that, should I? No, it sounds great. So, um, so you went from yeah.
0: who was it before that, just you and your mum and dad and then your dad was, remarries and has another couple of kids?
1: Mum and dad didn't stay together very long. They were only together until I was about – Oh, I must have been in about grade two. Oh, okay. Um, and I remember it well because I was the first kid in my class to have divorced parents. Oh, were you? After the no-fault divorce of 1975 or 72 or whatever. Right. Yes. What, what was that like? I like being I mean, groundbreaking. Did you, were, you, were you all right um, about it? I think, it, look, it was quite isolating. It was quite strange. It was quite something that was quite new new and different and all that sort of stuff. Look, by the time we were in year seven, I think half the yeah, hour was, I was, gonna was say. divorced parents. But but going first is um, is always interesting. Um, yeah, it was hard. And it was hard and it was isolating. So did that make you not like school? Me, no, it made me really like school. It, it, it taught me things about about school. It taught me that school is a bit of a game. And if you can play it right, it's right. It's like, actually quite like easy to a lot to of get business by. sort
0: of stuff as well, I guess.
1: Yep. Um, how to how to sort of equally please teachers and still be a bit of the class clown and all of the that things. little delicate
0: dance. Um,
1: <laughs> yep, I got I, I got that, and I um. Yeah, I liked school. I liked learning stuff. I liked I liked what it was all about. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't overachieve you or underachieve or anything. Else. <laughs> no.
0: I, don't, I don't mean to laugh no. in that way. You could have no. been, but who <laughs> knows. Okay, so you've. Someone, someone so is. You, so it's... you finished school. Did you go to year 12?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I did I did year 12 twice actually. I did um, an art art and design at RMIT and then I went back and did year 12 at a private school called Taylor's which was completely designed for kids that had gone a little bit off the rails (laughs) but parents had lots of money and were going to pay for you to just get through your VCE. So I met amazing people. (laughs) You found your tribe. I I really met my tribe. (laughs) Yeah, I really met my tribe at that school and went from there to uni. We went down to... Deacon for first, I went down to Deacon for first mm-hmm. year what did you study and then I studied um, funnily enough I ended up I started by doing women's studies oh. and I moved into um, Australian history very practical and with a, with a <laughs> very women's bent and right did a few yeah so it was it was an interesting Interesting degree that I nearly finished, <laughs> in fact. And, right. And then I, w- I went and lived overseas for about eight years. Gosh, hang on a minute. With my
0: so, daughter. Okay, let, let, so let's just wind back. So, so you finished school. Just yep. by the sounds of it. So how in heaven's name did you go overseas? And why?
1: Um, my dad bought. My dad offered me a a trip either a trip overseas or a car for my 21st birthday Good choice so I took the trip and where did you go you can always buy a car um I'd had some friends that had I lived I ended up coming back and being at Melbourne Uni and we um I lived in one of those huge big share houses where you know people are always coming and going and all this sort of stuff and this friend of mine had come to stay, a guy that I'd met through other friends had come to live in one of the rooms and he ended up having a motorcycle accident and all his friends came over from England and his family and all this sort of stuff. So when dad gave me the trip, I went back to visit him and all these amazing people that I'd met and yeah, spent, went to a little village in the UK and yeah, ended up just oh, so you London. working you were, in bars you were in, in, the,
0: in the country. No, I was
1: just outside of London and then um, worked in bars. Um, I had a nannying job for a couple of weeks. I was not very just good at earning that.
0: Kittens. I mean, I remember <laughs> going to London and thinking, "Oh, will in bars. That's what the Australians do. And my first job on mm. you know, on King's Road in Chelsea at the Moon Underwater was 3 pounds and three p minus tax. And I just went, I'm not going to be doing this. <laughs> this is not for me.
1: No no which is why i did the nannying job for a while because the nannying job gave you accommodation yeah. um but i was terrible at it my um my best friend from school ended up doing it and doing it really well and travelling around the world and having all these exciting adventures but it just wasn't for me i just couldn't see okay, myself okay so as you've the... been working
0: in bars and um nannying yeah did you do anything else or did you just continue with that for 8 years like what happened that's a um, long time no, to I... stay
1: there <laughs> I got, I met my husband there and got married. And I was married for, oh, four years? Uh, Over there. But he, yeah, he was the son of a very wealthy family and they had a lot of property and houses and stuff in Monaco. As you do. So we went, (laughs) as you do. So we went from London to Monaco and my daughter was actually born at the hospital Princess Grace in Ah, Monaco. Stop it. Really? (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. There you go. This is
0: an interesting fact I had no idea about.
1: Right. And then I lived in this town that is just full of the, the excess and wealth and big boats and all of this sort of stuff. So when I came back to Australia, this is a really stupid story, but I'm going to tell <laughs> yeah, it anyway. Right. Um, when I came back to, to Australia and I was working for Aussie Home Loans and we were with James Simon, who's John's nephew, and they were all talking about this boat that John had just bought. And remember, I've, I've lived in Monaco, so I'm used, to, I know what a boat looks yeah. like. I've got my impression in my head of a boat. And he, they're all getting really excited, and everyone's got to go out on this boat. And he spent, you know, five million dollars, or what. I can't no, who remember knows? But number, a lot but of let's, money. Let's say um, on the on this boat, and we get onto the harbour, and we get in this um, this thing. And I'm looking around, and I'm looking around, and eventually, we'd been on this thing for about half an hour. And I look at James, and I go, "Are we near the boat oh, yet?" Stop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you thought you were just on the tender. <laughs>
1: That's exactly what I
0: thought. Oh my god, your taste! <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. So, 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 what did your hubby do while you? Or what then? What did you do while you were living in Monaco? Monaco.
1: Okay, so he was. Um, he was actually. Tra- he'd gone to school there and spoke about twenty bazillion oh, languages. Right. And his family were from there and from Northern Italy. So, and, where did you meet him? In France. I met him. He owned the restaurant opposite the pub that I was working in. One of those. So he used to come in the pub moments and yeah, sit at the end of the bar, and everyone was going, "Oh, he likes <laughs> you," and I'd be going, "Nah, he doesn't like me. He's just a sleazy old restaurateur." <laughs> but lo and behold, we ended up married. So um, okay, so four yeah, years living he, in
0: Monaco as a family. The marriage breakdown as a family at the end of that.
1: Yeah, it look it kind of I was a lot younger than him and it was kind of never gonna be okay, I think. Right. I'd had a bit of a disconnect from my parents at that time and I wanted to form my own family. That was really important right. to me. And I yeah, I really very much wanted to get married and had have children, which is what I it did. Is. So I had my daughter yeah. when I was 26, um, which is interesting. My I was 20. My dad was 21 when I was born, and my daughter had her daughter because I'm a grandmother right. um, when she was 22. Right. So we've all gone. you are all quite gone. Young, yeah, yeah. Like unusually young. So, so take me from Monaco. Yeah.
0: What happened after that? Well, okay.
1: So I came back to Australia yep. and. We were living in, my parents, my dad and my stepmother lived in Glen Iris and I was staying with them and dad said to me, you know, there's a Bank of Melbourne childcare centre just up the road. You should go and work for Bank of Melbourne because they've got a childcare centre and they're not.
0: <laughs> and why not? I mean, That's we how I have, got into banking. <laughs> we all have strange reasons for starting things. All right. So you yeah. start as Bank of Melbourne, what, just as a... a
1: No, I actually started at NAB because the job at Bank of Melbourne, which was paying less, and it's really interesting when I look back on it, was in insurance and financial planning. And the job at NAB, which was paying more, um, was their over-the-phone home loan sales. Isn't that interesting? And they were just launching it. It's pre-internet banking. There was no internet banking. There was barely email. There was certainly no Facebook back in the day. Um, And, yeah, it was their home loan sales. And because I'd had this massive hospitality background and I'd travelled the world and all this sort of stuff, I was really good at sales. Right. So I got onto it and I did really well, but they also paid for me to go – um, I, I restarted my uni degree, and, and they said if you change your major to banking and finance, we'll pay for it for right. you. So I got—I just kept getting luckier and luckier. Well, and yes of course, yes no?
0: I'm sure it, to an extent you make your own luck. but Go on.
1: Well, you do, but you've got to be open to it. But you've I think. got to take and,
0: those opportunities and, when they come up, which a lot of people.
1: Yeah, you. If you if you sit there and think, oh no, no, I'll fail at the, you just do yep. it. You just do it, and and. I, I look back on that and I was studying and I had a two-year-old and, you know, I was working all these really long hours and because it was a call centre, my hours were actually nine till six or something. Right. Um, so the childcare centre closed at six and my stepmother and my mother would pick up my daughter after school and just whiz right. her back to, um, back to Makes home. Makes you forget, so you forget just, how yeah. what
0: a full-on time it is when you've got young kids. Yeah. You've got to do that juggle. All right, mm. so so you you're working for Nab. What happened then? Let me yes. tell me a little bit about they the put me career. on their
1: high performance leadership because I was in there. Uh, they put me on high performance leadership because I was in their um, program for having my study paid mm-hmm. for, and that was incredible. So I really learned a lot about leading people and leading businesses and um, high in sales and. How to, how to treat your employees and it gave you a good spin of, of what's actual factual about um, legally employing someone and, you know, making yeah. sure that you're paying them the right wage and giving them the right leave and treating them well and all that sort of stuff, but also how to motivate people, how to, um, how to coach people, how to performance manage people, all these things and it was very, very special training and I was really lucky to be involved with it. And part of that, they gave me a mentor who was this woman from Bank of Michigan, which was owned by NAB at the time. And she'd come over on secondment and she said to me, Phoebe, you've got to get into this mortgage broking situation because it's huge in the US and you'll do really well out of it. <laughs> so I, I was looking at jobs and stuff like that. And of course, I didn't want to be self-employed. So I um, I started off by working for a couple of the big organisations, um, Wizard and Aussie, that um, I did Wizard and then Aussie and then Aussie bought Wizard. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I worked for those two organisations over a six-year period and that, again, gave me a whole lot of different skills. But did skills that put and, any entrepreneurial
0: fire in your plea over the fact that both of those were just owned by men who decided to start their own organisations? really
1: did and that's that's what I was trying to do when I started my own program. I. Eight of, my, eight of my brokers from Aussie came with me when I left. Wow, right. And I really, I'll, I'll never, I just, I feel like I really, really let them down. Why? Because the business didn't work out in the end and it wasn't what but, it was but meant they, to be. I'm but like sure I said, if I, was, it took me, if I was
0: interviewing them now, they'd say, I learned so much from that because we all learn from those kind of things. And then. They probably would yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they weren't so, so happy at the time, but. You so happy at the time. Shit happens when you run your own business. I mean, you know, it just isn't always perfect. We all know we're taking a risk if we go out on our own. So now I think we have probably led ourselves perfectly to you brought on a partner. So what happened and and what did you learn out of that? I
1: actually... I joined his business, so I, I'd rung him from the Gold Coast with this massive idea about starting our own mortgage broking thing and, and getting brokers in and how it would work and how it would look and what we'd do for them and how we'd be so much better than everyone yeah. else. And we, we were in a way but we weren't in a way. And I started writing, actually going out and writing loans to keep myself in food and clothes. Yeah. Because I, I'd left, I had some savings, but I'd left with pretty much nothing. Um, nothing, and I and um, he had his yeah, own so business. Did he out. at the time? He had his own business, and then we formed another business out of that business out of his office in in Mount Waverley. It was, it was really, it was good because he was already set up and structured and all of that sort of stuff. And he he was excellent at. Um, he was very very good with his clients. Um, and I learned a lot from him anyway, but he was also excellent at systems and processes. Oh,
0: that thing, that is a bugbear of mine. And when somebody who's good at it comes along, it changes everything, doesn't it?
1: And being in your very first business of your own and watching someone on a small scale have – extraordinarily good systems and processes was something I was able to take with me. They, he was magnificent at that. Everyone knew what they were doing. Everyone knew what their role was. Everyone knew what had to happen at each step of a process. He was amazing. And and I've replicated that ever since. Right.
0: So what went wrong? Um, <laughs> and you don't have to name names or do anything, but I, I just love to hear. Mm.
1: What went wrong? I started writing loans and I was doing very well. Like I was really good yeah. at it, and he had been very, very, very good at it. But it was starting to be on the wane. He, he was like twenty years older than me, or right. something. He started to wane off the writing of the loans. But then, when I started doing really well, he started getting very competitive. Right,
0: and which can be he good, would, surely, just eggs you both on. Yeah,
1: it could be, but it was. It was a. It wasn't it wasn't right. It just wasn't. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't good for our relationship and it wasn't good for, um, I think a lot of the, the staff and the way that I dealt with things and the way that I, I looked at the staff because I was, I was looking Well, they weren't actually staff. They were brokers who were self-employed, who were, um, writing through us because then it gives us volume, which means that you can ask for more commissions, which means that you can pay them better. Right. Um, but yeah, I think the, the, I think I didn't spend enough time on the training and and development of the brokers after a while because I was just sitting there thinking, you know, we should all be doing better. But I was I was so but not actually helping in, them do better, which is so yeah. understandable. I mean, again, you don't yeah. know what
0: you don't know until you're in the heart of it, and then Ooh. you go, oh, in hindsight, this is what I would have done. But you don't know it when you're living. Yeah, there.
1: exactly. And I um and I learned a lot from that. And I learned a lot about what I actually wanted to do with my future. And then I um we had a, a very acrimonious business split um that had spent a lot of time with lawyers and so all that you, sort of did stuff, you, which was really fortunate. You pull the
0: rug out and say, right, that's it, I'm I'm out.
1: I think it was it was very mutual. Okay. And we had we had a big agreement and we had everything well, was you had that. already in writing and and facilitated and everything like that. But He he had the money to be able to really make trouble, stuff me up, and make trouble by keeping things just going and going and going because I couldn't access any money at this time and I couldn't really go out on my own.
0: If he was trying to do that,
1: yeah. And look, it worked out, and it worked out for the best. But we spent four months in court or not in court, but with lawyers, lawyers and mediation. To end up in exactly the same place as our original agreement had said that we would.
0: Yeah, it's and tough. I bought
1: my, I bought my loan book from him and moved on, and moved on into creating Clover Solutions.
0: Right. Okay. So that was which the, is the business
1: I have now. Right. Oh, okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. And no, I know I had. Um, I had a with two partners. I had a graphic design company and I remember thinking at the time because we were dotting all our I's and crossing our T's and we went to the accountant and did the partnership agreement with the exit clause and we all laughed and fell about laughing about, oh, we'll never need that. And then it just got nastier and nastier. And when you really are fighting with people to have that bit of paper that just says, you know, oh, whether he took you to court and then it, it reverted back to the paper. But it's such a godsend because I had another one where I didn't have an agreement. It was all very casual and it was with my best friend at the time of 20 years. And she literally walked away and said, I don't want anything to do with you ever again. And that's and I've never spoken to her since. So it can be oh, disastrous. It's just awful isn't Yeah, it? it is. It is. And you take it very personally. And it's a whole lot of stuff that it isn't really, but it becomes that because um, you know of the acrim- acrimoniousness.
1: <laughs> yes, and it and so much of that is unnecessary. And I just I, I felt like you know we've got this all in in an agreement, we've got it in writing, We're not really arguing about anything. I'm I'm happy to walk away. But what I wasn't happy with, and and I see this with women in divorce situations as yeah. well. I wasn't happy with settling for something that was less than what I was owed. <laughs> And what I see in, because in, I do a lot of
0: loans for women do. that are, are getting divorced, <laughs>
1: yeah. um, what I see a lot is you sort of get to a point and you think, you know, I'm worn out by Actually, this now. Just I just want it. to let it yeah. go. Just take it. And you end up, the, the ramifications for doing that are so big and, and so wide and so deep because it affects your whole future. If I hadn't had that loan book to start my new business with, if I hadn't had a little bit of income coming in, you would have
0: been I would stuffed. Have died.
1: like I, I would have been stuffed. Yeah. Um, and you can't go from earning, you know, big corporate wages to self-employed and and earning nothing for very and long. No cons- you, you need I've, to be. Uh,
0: that's that's the other thing. Okay, so did you at the time that you left him know that you were going to set up your own or was that something where you kind of sat yes. down and went okay so you set yep. up your own i knew i was going to set up my own and what yep. was that like what were the, what were you thinking at the time tell me some of the challenges um setting up on your own or what you learned
1: the <laughs> so the solicitor that had been representing me for the um for the business dispute um, had just separated, and he gave me um, a bit of business, right. and then he found all his friends, and they all gave oh. me a bit of business, and then his entire family, and they all gave me business, and it just went on and on and on like this. Like I just kept getting oh, amazing. referral after referral after referral because of this one guy thinking. I, and he could have looked at me and thought, you know, she's probably shit at this, but let's, yeah. But you could also have, give her a go anyway. You, you could have
0: stuffed it up. His his one, and you never would have got all that. The rest of that um, ongoing yeah. stuff. So I guess the big lesson out of that is treat everyone <laughs> as if they're precious because you just don't know. If it's not them, it might be their brother, father, sister, friend. You never know.
1: Yep. It always is. Yeah. It, it's always the way it goes. And, and word of mouth is how most brokers get their business because word of mouth when you're dealing with someone's finances is your most trusted yep. way of of getting something so it was always really interesting when i was at Aussie and when i was um when i was breaking even after Aussie everyone would always talk about asking for referrals yeah but i never really used to ask for referrals i just sort of used to imply that they were going to give them to yeah. me cuz we'd <laughs> you'd get into a conversation they'd say something about their friend and i'd go oh she's buying a house too isn't that lovely well when she comes to see me yeah, right <laughs> what
0: I'll do for her.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'll do for you. This is how it works. You can tell it Brilliant. is. Um, and yeah, just we always made the service just a little bit different, a little bit special by giving um, a little bit. And that's why I wanted the financial planning as well as the mortgage broking diploma is because um, when you've got that, you can give a little bit of advice that at the time was outside right. the of what
0: mortgage brokers could right. do.
1: Right. So why uh, um, the book?
0: Before we get off the topic of your career, just tell me what was the impetus for the book?
1: The impetus for the book was really um, as a, I'd, I'd read other books on finance and there, there are a lot of books written about money and I think a lot of books that are written about money come from a, a, a bloke, which is great, but I love men. Um, <laughs> Some things. <laughs> come from a bloke and. <laughs> And they, they very much mansplain the whole situation and, and talk you through, you know, do this to this level and all this sort of stuff. And I think very left there was, brain. there's one book in, yeah, very left brain. One book in particular and I, I kept looking at, People that he names the accounts in certain ways, and I kept looking at all these people with all these like four bank accounts with all these different names on them, and I'd be thinking, "You've got four bank accounts. You've got nothing in any of them, (laughs) honey." (laughs) And and you're attracting something's missing here. Like great, great that it's a best-selling book, and also most grateful that the money conversations on the table. But we, we as women, do things differently. We have different priorities, and. Um, and I want different things from my
0: broker too. I want to be able to talk about things that if I could talk about them with you, whereas there'd be a lot of folks out there who'd be like rolling their eyes because there are fears and worries and things that you kind of, I don't know. I don't know. I feel the same about doctors. I always go to female doctors, but it's just, Mm. you can talk on more of a relatable level, I guess.
1: Exactly. And, um, definitely can talk on more of a relatable level, understand that the pressures of being a mother and being um, an income earner and being a um, a person that's in control of, you know, the, you, the way that you day-to-day spend your money and making mistakes with that, you know, overspending on children's clothes or holidays or, you know, Spending too much on sport, whatever. I'll tell you what is, it is,
0: extracurricular sport. When I had twins and had to pay $350 each per season of basketball mm. and then you chuck in volleyball, which is two grand, and soccer that's 500 yep. I mean, it's just that kind of thing killed me.
1: Exactly. All of those things, and all of those things aren't things that are considered to be valuable by you know, everyone wants their kids to play sport, but no one realizes that yeah, there's a cost of three hundred and fifty dollars, and you spend your entire Saturdays <laughs> going from one place yeah. to the other while you while you navigate. I don't know over your side of town, but over here, over this side of town, Jules, it it takes me sometimes forty five minutes to go from Hawthorne to Richmond. Yeah. Um, on a Saturday morning, because of no, all the well, I mean, I'm in the on and, all that sort and we of stuff. would
0: have, and, and my son did rep basketball, and and anybody listening, and I'm sure there'll be people laughing when they hear this, but every Friday night, at for a five thirty game, so you'd have to leave at like four sometimes to get to the other side of Geelong or to get to the other side of the city. It was always an hour away on a Friday night, which is when everybody is mm. heading down the freeway. Oh my god! anyway yep. it, there are many things that we do all right, so unless there's anything else that you want to tell me with that, is there otherwise i'm gonna no nope, that,
1: that was it that was that was why i I wrote the book was because I just think it needed a female perspective it needed I to couldn't agree with you more. um be something that that was relatable for women and and also for
0: women to the, have the a happy relationship with money like a happy money journey I mean it's such a good name. <laughs>
1: It took me ages to come up with the name too but it was it was my own journey as well and and getting it wrong and then getting it right and knowing that you know you're always earning money so no mistake is permanent No exactly horrible and all that sort of stuff because there's always a, a get-out clause. There's always, you know, you're always going to earn a bit more money. You're always going to be able to do something That's else true. to sort yourself out.
0: Okay, now talk to me about any women that may or may not have helped you along the way, um, only because, as, well, you've heard this podcast <laughs> as you told me earlier, mm. so you know it's about women. It's just I guess if there is an opportunity to do a shout-out for a woman that normally wouldn't get a shout-out, use this opportunity.
1: And if there haven't oh, been any, so then do on the have, good. So many, many, many women, and there were so many women in executive positions at NAB. Oh, really? Oh, that's um, great to hear. Um, and women that were, you know, in in control of certain departments and all that sort of stuff that brought their own style to things, but seriously, the woman that had the greatest influence on me coming from, um, coming from a banking and finance background. And and yes, Gail Kelly is one of them. Um, but a woman called Kathy Cummings, who was an executive manager at CBA and, had a complete war on her hands all the time because none of the big banks like the idea of mortgage broking right. and none of the mortgage broke and all the mortgage brokers needed the big banks but didn't really want, to, deal want to do business with them what she did was come in and say okay yes to mortgage brokers but you need to be qualified to do it mm. and you need to be meeting these criteria to be one of our mortgage brokers. And what she actually did was lift the standard of the whole industry by just a few little tweaks,
0: amazing. and did it
1: with such style. I she she was an amazing woman and a, an amazing part of my journey as a as a young broker coming up through you know making myself successful and watching the industry change from a few cowboys that were basically able to get people money where they couldn't get money through normal channels, which was the big start of the mortgage broking in, um, in Australia to. A, a thing a um, business now that is introducing 70% of new business to most of the big four banks amazing so 70% of their new business is coming from mortgage brokers wow rather than coming rather than walking yeah. through their front yeah. door and saying hi I'd like a well, loan well yes I
0: have to say if I was going out to get another home loan I'd go to a mortgage broker before I'd go to a bank Really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, well, I've got, just got a couple more questions for you. The first one is work and play. Is there a line that, that delineates them both or is it all kind of a bit nerdy?
1: Um, No, there's a definite line. The mortgage-broking part of things in particular is very, very, very…
0: Time-consuming.
1: Um, Time-consuming, very professional, very you've got to be on your… On, the alert all the time. Um, Since I've written the book and I'm expanding the business and I'm going to put some online courses together and do some other things, that has become more like play because it's so enjoyable. I mean, Jules, one of the things, and and just a big shout-out for the Handle Your Own PR course. Oh, thank you. um, Because that was – That was a real game changer for me. So that's taken me from being, you know, Phoebe Blamey Mortgage Broker, little office in Hawthorne does quite well, to being constantly quoted in the financial review as a subject matter expert. And I... Absolutely. Like I was in it twice last week. Wow, that is amazing.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, it is so how many good. people would gnaw off their left arm to be able to even to be given one article and you've done it twice. And yes. it would be maybe what five or six times now in the last six months. Would it be something like that?
1: Yep, it's it, it really has. It's a and also one of the one of the really great tips that you give us in, in handle your own PR is don't just be the spokesperson be the person that's able to find them the people so I my brother's been in it (laughs) my operations manager's been in it with photos fantastic one of my clients has been in it because she's a friend as well and just that's it if you could be a good resource for a
0: journalist they will just keep coming back to you
1: yeah that's absolute gold so that sort of stuff though that that doing the PR and doing all of that sort of stuff has become play. So I did that for most of this morning, in fact, and I'm working on some articles and talking to a different – or trying to talk to a different journalist. Brilliant. And get my stuff in some, some other publications. And But so why,
0: why has it made that big a difference, though? I'm just interested to know. It's just positioned you in a different way. I mean, are you getting people coming to you now because they've read about you in the Fin Review?
1: I'm getting – People coming to me because they've read about me in the Fin Review, oh. I'm getting a, a different spin on who I am in my own industry. So I'm getting a lot more people looking. to. And, it, look, I'm old in this industry now. <laughs> I've been around for, for 15 years. Um, I st- I think I started at Wizard in 2001, so 20 years in, in the mortgage broking industry um, in September Is this year. Is that a year, burnout industry?
0: Do people not last very long? Because it doesn't sound like that long um, to me.
1: Look people last forever because it's it's a really once you get to a certain point you earn earn good money it's easy to do yeah, right. there's a there's been a lot of changes in the industry in the last um probably 6 years and some good and some uh, challenging shall we say just different challenging okay. yeah challenging different for me it's interesting watching my daughter compared to me and i'm very you know do it this way da, 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 and she goes no 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 <laughs> we do it this way this is how it works this is what happens and she'll she'll put a loan in and gets approved within 30 seconds she's amazing right um she's really good oh well to chip off her mother's Conscientious. Clock. so um but yeah i think um i think so yes Basically, the answer to your question is it is becoming more play because I am doing different things that I that I'd been doing before, and I'm much more the face of a business that has a lot of people working for it behind the scenes, and I'm working a lot more on being the author and course coordinator. And the next book I want to write is specifically for women who are coming out of a divorce, a lot more holistic and about, I think that's you know, self all sort of well, stuff. Well, you know,
0: one of the things I say in PR is niche, 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 because it's much easier. Mm. I mean, for you to talk about happy money journey for women is fantastic and it really is. But imagine then when mm. you can take a subsection of those women and go, right, you divorced women. This is how you can deal with it. Because when you are divorcing, mm. your whole world is just so upside down and you just desperately need help from anywhere exactly. you can get it.
1: Absolutely so true. And one of the things I think that we really suffer around is money Mm. and and taking control of our own money. And, you know, I've seen a woman who hadn't worked for 20 years because she was married and children and all of that sort of stuff jump back into employment and really very successful now in in her field. It's amazing. You know, we can do anything so Uh, anyone can
0: when they put their mind to it okay so here's another great question for you is there a quirky fact that most people don't know about you that you'd be up for sharing you knew this question was coming if you've listened to the podcast so (laughs) I must have been thinking (laughs) what am I going to say have you got six toes or (laughs)
1: um no I don't have six toes I have um I actually don't really have a quirky fact. I'm okay. not that interesting. Oh, oh don't um, be silly. There'll be something. I
0: just did an interview, <clears throat> excuse me, with someone before who runs a podcasting business specialising in engineering and we got sort of three quarters of the way through the interview and she said, oh, yeah, and on the side I bought a Ferrari and we started hiring it out. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, people think that they're not interesting or that it's not an interesting fact Anyway, you can yeah. tell me. I know you like coming to the She's the Boss just so you can tell me in real life maybe if you do. think of anything. Um,
1: I, th- I think my quirky fact at the moment is I have started making my own kombucha oh, and right. um, various other little home-prepared. Concoctions? Pickles and all that sort of stuff. It's just. Fun. It's my COVID, COVID quirk, that and the internet dating. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> I won't ask you about the internet. We'll save that for then another one. The okay, last well. last couple of questions are about apps on your phone. Um, mm-hmm. do you use your phone for business, like with apps, or not really? Because I should all really ask. All the time. That. All the time. Okay. Um, Outside of email and banks and you know the the bog standards, and I'm going to take social media out of there as well. Have you got any apps mm-hmm. that you absolutely love that you use on your phone for business?
1: Our CRM has an app that goes oh, with. What's it. your CRM? So when I when. Our CRM is called Zoho, okay. and it's got an app that goes with it that um, at the end of a phone call it says to us, would you like to make notes on this phone call? Wow. And you can put your notes in from the phone call, which I adore. It does all my calendar and all that sort of stuff. to go to
0: Zoho just for that reason.
1: It is so good. Um, the other is... Um, have a little look. Sorry, someone's someone's actually ringing me I'm trying to look <laughs> on the phone and my phone. It's very distracting. Um, yeah, so that's that's a big one for me. Our business, we we didn't write the app, but we've got a biz an app that my business uses and gives to our clients for free, um, which is a budget management tool. So it takes all your different bank accounts, puts them together, and tells you how you're spending. Oh, that's. Cool. Um, it's really cool. So
0: it's called My Work Tracker. <clears throat> okay. And you had that developed for you or you just use it? We
1: had we had a a guy that I know had developed them. Right. And we were one of the early adopters of it. <laughs> So it wasn't developed for me, but there was a lot of feedback that came from me and my business and my team to go back to it to have chats about how they did things. But that's really good. Um, and Google My Business, which is about to close down, I think. Um, Google My Business is the other one that's not going to close off, down, it, cause cause I, I feel like it.
0: I've only just done my uh-huh. Google My Business not very well. But anyway, yeah. I, had to keep I, up I with find this.
1: that handy because it yeah. Yeah. Shows me a lot about what's going on on my website yeah. and stuff like that. But so does Zoho. So nice. I've got those sort of things going on all Fantastic. the time. Fantastic. What about fun? Do you play on your phone? Um, I play Two Dots obsessively. Two Dots. What's um, Two Dots? Don't get into it. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> You've got to make little squares of dots and choose colours and pop all the colours and then I, I can just I can do it for right. hours. Oh well I'll have to I do it when I'm waiting for things to happen. Think one of my favorite um, things. And it starts slowly. And I think I think I'm up to like level 3,000 now or something like that. Um but a client of mine has just got really he's he's really been fascinating me. He's invested in a lot of cryptocurrency. Yeah. So there's two apps around the cryptocurrency that I um I want to pick up on and start having a little play in that space, yeah. in the very cheap cryptocurrency. Yes, well, I, the, I have to say, yeah, I did.
0: my son wants to get into it and I was looking at Ethereum or whatever it was about six months ago when I think it was half a cent and now isn't it like $5,000.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so really it is probably time to mm. get into all of that. Um Okay, fantastic. Thank you, Phoebe, so much for this interview. I could honestly sit and talk to you for hours and hours. What um, is the best way for people to get hold of you through Clover and your book and anything else you're doing?
1: The the very best way is actually through LinkedIn, or, okay. which is just Phoebe Blamey and I'm on LinkedIn. Clover's on LinkedIn as well. Or our website, which is cloverfinancial.com.au. Okay. Um, we're on Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and not on Twitter. I don't tweet. No, I
0: don't tweet. And I'm not on Insta either. either. Um, And talk to me about the book, Where Can People Buy the Book.
1: People can buy the book, the actual book from us on an, on the website. They can buy it on Amazon. They can buy the e book on Amazon. And the audio book is shortly going to be available on Amazon as oh, well. Oh, well, that's exciting because I think for a lot
0: of people these days, they are moving away from reading. I personally still love reading. And in fact, my son has sent me a book which I'm about to go and open from Amazon for Mother's Day. So I'm looking forward to seeing what oh, he's closing for me. But um but audiobooks are, you know, audiobooks and podcasts are really the way to go. So it's good that you have got the audio mm. version too.
1: Yeah, it was fun to do and very, very grateful to our podcast producer. He was um, who's done the production of my audiobook. He is sensational. So if anyone's looking for someone, Dave Stokes is your man. <laughs>
0: Thank you. And I'll just have to put up my hand and go, he is also my partner, my boyfriend. <laughs> But he is very good. All right, Phoebe, it's He's been awesome. Good. Fantastic. Can't wait to share this one. Have a great week and thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thanks, Jules. I really appreciate it.
0: I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she's theboss.com.au.